Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of You Press Play Sports. We are back again, episode 16, I believe. I am your host, business manager Joseph Acosta. I'm joined again by my friends here, photo editor Esten Parker, sports editor Richard Pereira. Esten, how are you doing this evening? Doing, doing pretty well. How about y'all? Doing great. Richard, how about you? You got a little bit of a late night podcast recording. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one. Like we were busy. Sports has been busy this past past couple of days. Yeah, sports has definitely been busy, especially the world of college sports. Um, the NCAA has been in a fight with the basically a Supreme Court over name, image, and likeness since early this year. A bunch of different states in the country, including the state of Florida, have already passed name, image, and likeness bills that will go through this July. The NCAA has not, to this point, passed an uh, overarching NIL bill, although President Mark Emmert says they want to do that before July 1st, which is in nine days. So good luck with that. Um, recently, the Supreme Court settled the NCAA versus Alston case where they deem that college athletes are going to be able to basically like get money outside of like for like academic scholarships or like academic stipends so like an athlete can get a computer or stuff for school. So with this, it's not saying that amateurism is dead. Amateurism is not dead yet. It's just on its last legs. We're moving closer and closer to that point. NIL would allow them to make money off their name, image, and likeness, which is going to go through for most states July 1st, like I said. So I want to ask you guys, also I have to add in, the United States Supreme Court voted unanimously against the NCAA. You know how bad you have to be? You know how bad your rules have to be for the Supreme Court to vote unanimously against you? Like the Supreme Court of the United States of America. It's crazy. So, uh, Richard, I want to start with you. How do you think that these new name, image, and likeness bills will affect not only college football, but FAU specifically? I mean, these bills, they're going to change college sports for the better. To, uh, in a way, uh, have their livelihoods in, in, a, in a, like be stable because they weren't able to profit from their name, image, and likeness. With these bills, that, that changes everything. It pretty much gives them an advantage and pretty much betters every student athlete in, in the world of college sports. So this is great. And for FAU to have a NIL program that allows their athlete, student athletes to uh, gain an advantage in promoting themselves, putting themselves out there in the sports world, gaining endorsements and all that. It, it, it's a great thing for FAU to have right now. Yeah, and FAU is definitely preparing their student athletes very well. I talked with Brian White, the director, athletic director of FAU, about these new name, image, and likeness bills, what they're doing. So they've partnered with a business called Open Doors, who most colleges have have worked with in terms of getting the student athletes ready and educating them on how to get sponsorships, how to work with agents, because they can't supply those agents. So they're going to have these things called flight plans that are going to provide 
media assessments, instruction to maximize student athletes' brands and put them in the best position to capitalize on the NIL bill that's gonna be passed in Florida. Now, I'm guessing you're probably wondering, what, what if the NCAA doesn't pass this bill? Then the states won't be, the states won't be hampered by it. The main reason being state law supersedes NCAA law. So really the NCAA is pushed back up against the wall right now. They're, they have to pass this rule or else each, each different university like Alabama's um, NIL bill is going to be different from a school like Florida's or like Florida Atlantic's because two different states. What the NCAA wants to do is have an overarching bill that they want to get done by July 1st, but I don't think that's going to happen. But Eston, I want to ask you, how do you think the NIL will, will affect FAU recruiting wise? Because getting to the money is definitely something that every player wants to do. I think one one thing that FAU has in its advantage in terms of the NIL rules is its location. I mean, we're in paradise and for, I mean, just outside of football, look at all the different social social media influencers that come to FAU, people that have a large social media presence that's, that go to FAU. So I, I'm thinking from a recruiting standpoint, a lot of certain coaches may be able to say to players that even if they're not the, the most highly ranked recruits, they might be able to say, hey, like you're in a great location where you're going to meet all types of people in terms of agents and also just people that could help you expand their own brand. Um, and in terms of not only the obviously the location of the school, but also, you know, FAU is we are now, I dare I say, we are really turning into a football school. I mean, we have a very good program. We have good coaches not only with Willie Taggart, but I mean, um, Heinz, with Heinz Warchus getting hired um, as an assistant and also, is it Mike Stoops, I believe, as a defensive coordinator? I mean, on the field, we have the coaches that are, that are here at this school. So I think that in terms of how we'll compete against other Florida schools, it might be tough, but it's always tough. But thankfully, in our case, though, I think it'll help, you know, against uh, – when you look at other schools such as a, an FIU or a USF, other schools that are kind of within our realm, you know, because let's be honest, it, it'll be tough for FAU to pull kids away from UM or FSU or even um, UF. But I think this will help us not only get more guys from in-state, um, but also it'll really help with guys out of state, um, which is huge because, you know, Florida's obviously the hotbed, but, if we can find not only the local in-state guys, but also get the out-of-state guys and be able to say, hey, like FEU has perks that nobody else can offer, that will hopefully help us in the long term. So so I want to be a little more specific about the NCAA versus Austin case that just concluded a few days ago. So it's affirming a 2020 ruling by the U.S. Court of Appeals according to the according to Sportico. It's affirming a 2020 ruling by the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit that the NCAA and its member schools are in violation of Section 1 of the Sherman Antitrust Act by agreeing to limit how much each student athlete can compensate, be compensated for academic-related costs. So what this means is now players can afford to get laptops. They're going to give them more academic-related stuff. What this does open up the lane for is 
okay, why does your MacBook have a $3,500 down payment at, um, at Ford Auto? I don't think your MacBook is a Dodge Charger. I don't know why you're classifying it like that. Now that that's what this opens up, I doubt that's gonna happen though. Really, it's just basic things that student athletes need. It doesn't matter about the scholarship because the scholarship only pays for room and board. They don't even get to eat because they can't pay for stuff or have people pay for stuff for them because it'd be in violation of the NCAA rules. So this is a good first step in breaking down the amateurism rules of the NCAA. Now, it doesn't mean amateurism is dead, but it might well be on its way. And I think FAU is going to be wholly prepared for that. So we're going to move on from FAU and NIL to the NBA playoffs. And guys, since we've last spoken, we have now narrowed it down to four. There are four teams left in the NBA playoffs. We have in the Eastern Conference, the Atlanta Hawks and the Milwaukee Bucks, who just wrapped up playing as we speak, as the recording is happening right now, and the Los Angeles Clippers against the Phoenix Suns. Now, I get you're probably wondering, where are the number one seeds? Well, the Utah Jazz lost in six games to the Los Angeles Clippers, who were missing Kawhi Leonard since game two. Point with 12 shot attempts a game, uh, over 70% free throw shooting. 2019 playoffs, 14 points, uh, less than 10 shots a game, 57% free throw shooting. This playoffs, 12 points, eight shots a game, 34% free throw shooting. Are you talking about Ben Simmons still? Yes. <sighs> Basketball reference playoff stats. <laughs> It's really bad, man. It's regressed to the point where he just refuses to shoot. Like he's so far in his head that he just, he refuses to take free throws. Lost in seven to the Atlanta Hawks. The thing about it is they blew multiple double digit leads consecutively. In game five at home, they blew a 25 point lead to the Atlanta Hawks. Then in game six, no, it was game four, they blew a 25 point lead. Game five, they blew a 17 point lead. Um, it, might, it might be flipped around, but they blew multiple leads in the same like span in the consecutive games. So I wanna ask you, Richard, I'll start with you. Where do the Jazz go from here? Because it seemed like in game six, or ever since Kawhi went out in game four, they really expanded on that five-out small ball and made Rudy Gobert have to defend on the perimeter. So what do the Jazz do from here? Um, for starters, Utah's best chance to take advantage against the Clippers was game five at home. But they, they didn't. And... Game six, it was pretty much their chance to possibly force a game seven. And for the first half, they were very good offensively, especially Donovan Mitchell and J Jordan Clarkson, who were spectacular uh, in the first half. Then the second half came, and the Clippers just exposed Rudy Gobert 
currently see a Terrence Mann from the corner three. The Philadelphia 76ers. And, and the funniest part is the Clippers, they were basically tag teaming. Every time <laughs> they, they were tag teaming like, uh, to who, on whoever gets to it, go at Gobert. Uh, like once somebody makes a three on Gobert, another player is like, hey, tag me in. I want to get a piece of Gobert. And Patrick Beverly knocks, a th- knocks two threes out of nowhere. And that pretty much ends the U- Utah's chance of forcing a game seven. And my Gobert. Gobert should be banned from Defensive Player of the Year. <laughs> oh, it, is, it is embarrassing to be exposed like that and not realize that your best defensive player is a liability on the perimeter. And you know, it makes it even worse. He had the worst plus minus in game six. He was minus 24 and he played, I believe 42 minutes in game six. What, but I don't think it's necessarily all on Rudy Gobert. I don't think the Jazz have good enough perimeter defenders. Yeah. they, the Clippers were abusing them in the dribble drive and out of like, and they would force Rudy Gobert to say, okay, either I stick to Terrence Mann or I go try and block Paul George. And they chose to go try and block Paul George, which led to Terrence Mann getting 39 points. But Terrence Mann, when he dunked on Gobert and on the putback dunk, I was like, okay, I see how this game is going to go. But I think the Jazz have just got to get a perimeter defender just somebody who can who can say i won't need help like i think a ben simmons would be really good for them because he doesn't need the ball he's a great defender and he he just fits what they would want to do you can take rudy gobert out if he's becoming a liability but i also think uh Donovan Mitchell takes a lot of shots. Like, looking at this game six, Donovan Mitchell shot twenty-seven shot ball twenty-seven times. Next closest is Jordan Clarkson with sixteen shots. That's not winning basketball if only one guy is taking thirty shots a game. So they have to find a way to become more balanced on offense, but defensively, you got to get another like wing defender, like even an OG Ananobi from the Raptors. He'd be a good fit for the Jazz. But I don't know where they go from here. I mean, they're probably still going to be one of the best teams in the league this upcoming, this next year. They're probably going to get better. But when it comes down to the playoffs, they've shown that you can scheme Rudy Gobert off the floor. But I know what we're all here for. I know why we're all here. We want to laugh at the Sixers. And for that, I want to let it. I want to let it go to our main Doc Rivers, Sixers process hater, Esten. The floor is yours. Ah, <laughs> uh, Doc Rivers. He is continues to show why he is the most overrated coach in the league. I mean, okay, mind you, this guy is only five ga- or Excuse me, four only four games over five hundred in his playoff career. Had a losing record with the Clippers and while he's seven and five now with the Sixers, let's not act like they should not have beaten 
the Atlanta Hawks in this series. All credit to the Hawks money. That's a really fun team to watch. Trey Young is just we're literally seeing a superstar in front of our eyes in the making, which is great to see. But also, um, in, and, and honestly, Joel Embiid gets none of this because I think he single-handedly carried that team to a to even having a chance. But um, Ben Simmons, um, I, I don't know what else can be said that hasn't been said already, but okay, if you are a point guard, I, I know that you should not be getting more assists than points. Put four, four shots the entire game, game seven, four shots, game six, six shots, game five, four shots, game two, three shots. You didn't attempt a shot in the fourth quarter. And not to mention, too, when you're when you have an open lane and you are outsizing someone in the paint, how do you pass it out? And then go on to blame, I forget who it was, but then to kind of look at the other dude, like, why didn't you shoot it? Um, My guy, you have like, he had like five inches over the guy that was guarding him. That's in- Trey Young. Trey Young. Trey Young, thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, in Sixers are in a tough spot though because he just signed a max. They're stuck with him. Who's gonna take that? He won't, he's too scared to shoot a mid-range jumper. Not even well, mid-range jumper. God forbid he shoots free a free throw. It's free throws. He's scared to shoot free throws. Is he worse than Markel Fultz? Nothing. At this point, at least Fultz is not scared to shoot now. Okay, but- I'm not gonna go that far. I think Ben Simmons, for what he is. He's an elite defender. He's a great passer. But all those things get outweighed when it's time to shoot the ball and he refuses to shoot. But I want to focus on something else from the Sixers series that really just annoyed me. Why is Dwight Howard playing so much? Why is George Hill playing so much? For some reason, Doc Rivers would always go to this lineup and take and beat out the game. It'd be Dwight Howard... Um, Tobias Harris, who played terrible game seven. He played really bad game seven. Um, I think they go Tyrese Maxey, who played well. Then they go Korkmaz. And then uh, I think it was Matisse Tybel. Who was the bucket getter on that? Tobias Harris? You know that 25-point lead that they blew? At home, that was the lineup in. And it was just Boo Williams dogging them. They couldn't score a bucket. Doc Rivers' insistence on playing like a 10-deep rotation in the playoffs came, came back to bite them. But in all reality, it's kind of what you have to do because Joel Embiid was playing on one leg. Can he go the distance like that? I don't know. But with the Ben Simmons thing, I don't know. At this point, man, not being able to to space to give better spacing to the Sixers, it, it hurt them real bad. And I think we seriously need to like examine the process as a whole as being a failure. Because think about it, you did all that intentional losing to never make the finals. You end up with one superstar. No conference finals. No conference finals. 
And now you might have to trade your number one pick. That's supposed to be a part of that process. And wouldn't even be the first number one pick they've had to trade. So you ended up with, you ended up with Joel and B and a bunch of dudes. Could have traded for Harden. That's so crazy to think about now. Where we were considering, like people were considering in the offseason, Ben Simmons shouldn't be included in the trade for James Harden. And in hindsight, like what were we doing? But also in, in the series against the Nets and the Bucks, I, and I hope I'm not going into something that you were going to mention, but James Harden didn't have a very good series either. I mean, he tore his hamstring. Yeah. And he, he was out there playing on one leg. Like, if we're being honest about that series, the Bucks should have won in like five, six games. It should not have gone seven. The sad yeah. thing, they could have gone to the conference finals, and that was in 2019, but bad luck set on them because Kawhi Leonard decided to hit a, a game winner on them. <laughs> but uh, enough talk about the losers who are out of the playoffs. We're going to talk about the conference finals. At this point, the Suns are up 2-0 on the Clippers, and the Hawks are up 1-0 on the Bucks. So I want you guys' predictions. I want to hear who do you think is making the finals? Eston, I will start with you. Uh, the Suns and the Bucks. But I got Suns in five. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Playoff P is doing Playoff P things. And okay, uh, hold on, hold on. I have to defend Paul George. Please. He he played he played he played 47 great minutes of basketball in game yeah. two. Yeah, he all he had to do was make the free throws. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as I saw he missed, I'm like, oh God. I'm about but, to ratioed. But I, I, I do have um, Suns and five, and uh, I got Bucks and six, and then I got the Suns winning it. Richard, what about you? Same as Eston. Only difference is I have Suns and six, uh, while Bucks, uh, pretty much Bucks and six, because I like that competitive. Right. They are competitive, but I think that's where the line will stop from there. I don't think they're ready for the finals yet. All right, so. I think Suns in five. I I just don't think the Clippers have enough. It's all coming back. And Kawhi's out for game three. Out. I don't think they have enough. I want to say Suns in four, but I think they'll get a game at home. They have to get a game at home. Yeah. This Bucks-Hawks series is actually kind of tricky because I think the Bucks definitely won't Chris Middleton will not have a game as bad as he did tonight. But I do think the Bucks play a style of defense with Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis in the game where Trey Young is going to abuse the pick and roll the entire series. I'm going to say Bucks in six. I kind of have a feeling that is going to go seven. But of course, they're going to be players because of Ronaldo. Eston, who is your pick to have a deep run in the Euros? Um, I think whoever, as we've been mentioning, whoever wins between Belgium and Portugal will have a very good run. I, I rate France very highly. Um, I think 
I'm really intrigued to see the match between England and Germany because I think England have been pretty underwhelming so far. Um, being a Tottenham fan myself, Harry Kane has just been kind of non-existent. Um, and England... It could go seven, depending on how the Hawks do. They are, they are a real wild card in this conference finals. I also do think, and I think it's my friend who hyped me into this, I also do think the Hawks might have a good shot of winning this. Especially if they, if they can get something from John Collins consistently or get a second score, because Bogdanovich does not have it. His, he gets no lift on his jumpers. Um, Cam Reddish is coming back. I don't know what's Cam Reddish going to give you this late to the season, but I don't know, man. I think this Hawks team is really fun. They are. They really are. I'm going to go Bucks and six. I have the Suns winning it all. It just feels like it's this, it's going to be their year. Chris Paul's year. Yep. But we're going to move on to the most interesting thing going on in sports right now. UEFA 2020, well, 2021. Euro 2020. Yeah. Uh, you, not UEFA. Forget UEFA. Euro 2020. Man, I think this has been a this has been a great group of pool play. Um, so far, the standings: Italy is leading Group A; they have nine points. Belgium is leading Group B with nine points. Ne- the Netherlands are leading Group C with nine points. England is leading Group D with seven points. Sweden is leading Group E with seven points. And the Group Death, Group F, France leads with five points group stage has concluded so now we enter knockout play guys the round of 16 will start saturday richard i will start with you who is your pick to win it all well i i have multiple that can go far um there there's italy france maybe belgium and portugal those are my four the one who could go farther, I think Italy. Yeah, I was thinking Italy. Dude, they have turned their offense into like this supercharged turbo thing that we haven't seen from Italy in recent years. But I'm kind of lean in Belgium. I think getting De Bruyne back with Lukaku, I, I mean, they're so super powered. Yeah, Kevin De Bruyne is Belgium's most important player. But Lukaku, he's their best striker. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Eden Hazard, he hasn't had the best season with Real Madrid. But if he can get that fitness back, he, he can really make an impact for Belgium and help them go farther than they're supposed to. And they have a really tough game against Portugal as they play on Sunday. Oh. That's a good game. That's a must-watch. Yeah, <laughs> Portugal, I mean... Watching Portugal play is so fun, but also super frustrating at the same time because they're aggressive to a fault where they're so focused on getting the ball in the Cristiano Ronaldo's area because he's Cristiano Franco Ronaldo, of course. But they're so overly aggressive that they end up knocking in three own goals. <laughs> 
I think that's going to come back to bite them, that overly, overly aggressive style. Unless Ronaldo just goes absolutely like beast mode. It, it just hasn't, to me, fully clicked yet. And against Germany, surprisingly, they've been – Germany's looked really well. Um, I was kind of hesitant to say that they would go far in this tournament, but I, I think that whoever wins between England and Germany will have a pretty good run. And also, if I had to choose – for me, I, I have a tough time saying who I think will be in the last – in the final four, but I think it'll be between France. Um, if I had to make a call, I- I'd say France, the Netherlands, Italy, and uh, Belgium. So. Yeah. And I definitely think Italy is going to be a huge player. Like I said, um, what were you going to say, Richard? Uh, Italy, if Belgium and Italy win their games, they'll face each other in the quarterfinals. So one of them will have to go through to the semis to be in the final four. As for England and Germany, um, I have Germany winning that one. Mm-hmm. England has been way underwhelming for, to my expectations. I thought they would be much better than they actually played. So I got Germany winning that one. For the Netherlands, I thought about it. And right now, they can go to the quarterfinals or maybe the semifinals. They, I just don't see them winning at all because they don't have their best defender, Virgil van Dijk from yeah. Liverpool. So, but they can definitely go far, especially with Memphis Depay, Jorginho Wijnaldum. Those are good. They are great players. They really are. Yeah, and I'm looking at the uh, knockout stage bracket right now. The round of 16, here are the games that are going to be happening Belgium is playing Portugal. Italy is playing Austria. France is playing Switzerland. Croatia is playing Spain. Sweden is playing Ukraine. England against Germany. The Netherlands is playing the Czech Republic. And Wales is playing Denmark. Belgium's got a pretty rough go at it. Like they got a pretty rough side of the bracket. Like, you have to go through Cristiano Ronaldo first. Then if you win that one, you got to go through Italy. Then, okay, you have to face the winner of France, Sweden, Croatia, and Spain. And to me, Spain has been kind of underwhelming this Euros. I don't know why. It's just... Besides their 5-0 destruction of Slovakia. Yeah, besides their destruction of Slovakia. They have been underwhelming, but hopefully that win over Slovakia gets them together. Yeah, but Belgium's got a rough go at it. I think the other side of the bracket with England and Germany facing each other in the first round, that could pretty much dictate how that side of the bracket is going to play out. Honestly, a name to watch, or a team to watch out for, I think is Wales. Mm-hmm. I think they, they've come on strong recently. Gareth Bale, of course, is fantastic. They could be a team that, gives Netherlands or the Czech Republic kind of a scare in that second game. But ultimately, I think whoever comes from that left side of the bracket with Belgium, Portugal, Italy, or France, I think they're going to end up winning the entire thing. That'll do it for this episode of You Press Play Sports. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to follow and subscribe on YouTube. Give us five stars. Follow. If you don't give us five stars, you will make us sad. And we stayed up real late.
to do this. So you don't want to make us sad. From photo editor Eston Parker, sports editor Rich Pereira, I am Vince Mayor Joseph Acosta, wishing you a great rest of your day.